0: Make me too unpatriotic. Moving the flag over. But I want to be able to see you when you fall asleep. Sorry, you know. When I was in Rwanda, one of the things that we emphasized over and over again to the pastors that we were teaching was the power of seeing scripture in context. Not just finding a particular verse, which I'm going to do today, a single verse that we're going to focus on. But in many ways, Looking at the entire message and seeing how it brings robustness, how it brings out the significance, the, the depth of what it is that God is saying to us to any particular verse. And I think when we look at the book of Ephesians, we see that message as much as any. The Apostle Paul is under house arrest in Rome. He's awaiting his trial before the emperor. He had traveled to Jerusalem at the end of the third missionary journey. There he had been arrested When his trial was taking place as a Roman citizen, he exercised his right to appeal to the emperor, and so he had made the long and arduous journey to Rome, almost losing his life in a shipwreck. Finally, he arrives in Rome, and he's just waiting to be called for his trial, for his hearing before the emperor. And that could take months. It could take years. During that time, he was under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They came in shifts and would change up, but they stayed with Paul all the time. During that time, Paul wrote letters. One of those was the church at Ephesus, a church that he had a connection with. And as he begins his letter to them, he talks about these incredible promises that God has made to them. And he, and he offers up these huge pra- these prayers that are just really mind-blowing in, the, in their depth. And, and if God had fulfilled them, just the impact it would have on their lives. But as he gets to the end of his letter, he realizes that what he's praying to come to pass in the lives of the Ephesian Christians, and through them all of us, doesn't happen easily. He realizes that the world as a whole, life here on this planet, with its fixation on self, with its fixation on the here and now, with its vulnerability to evil forces that are rebelling against god is going to make it very difficult to experience that and so as he moves to the end of his letter he says he talks about the fact that our our fight is not against flesh and blood but it's against principality and and spirits spiritual forces that surround us and so he encourages encourages them to put on the full armor of god but i'm struck by verse 16 of that chapter And if you have your bibles turn to ephesians chapter 6 with me we're going to look at the 16th verse today. I want to read it for us in context from verses 10 through 17. If you're using one of our Black Pew Bibles that you can find there in the in your chairs, you'll find our text, of the page, text today on page 997. Let me read verse 16, 16 for you first and then back up and read it in context of verses 10 through 17 and Let me start first of all with the New American Standard translation of this passage where it says in addition to all or above all some of your translations might read. The Holman Christian Standard Bible puts it in every situation but in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let's look at it now and context of verses 10 through 17. Finally, he writes to them, be strengthened by the Lord and by his fast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must Take up the full armor of God. So that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest. And your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation or in addition to all. Take up the shield of faith. with And with it you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. I mean, God had His blessing to the reading of His Word. I find it enlightening that here at the end of a book that emphasizes so greatly what it is that God has done for us, and and the standing we have now with God, and the access that we have to all the abundant promises, all the resources, all the privileges of God that are poured into our lives. I find it incredibly interesting engaging, something that makes you pause and stand, that at the very end, as he talks about the difficulty, about really living life and all that, he says, in addition to everything else, take up the shield of faith, for by it you'll be able to extinguish the enemy's cruise missiles that are going to try to knock you off of your feet and out of your faith. You know, we've been talking here, starting a series last week and moving through several weeks of, of trying to get faith right. You know, we, we, we've understood the importance of fundamentals. You know, if you, don't, if you don't have the basics right, everything else that you build upon it is going to be kind of messed up. If you seek out to make a, a delicious apple pie, but all of the ingredients that you use are kind of outdated or sour or just not ripe or whatever, when you put it all together and cook it up, it's not going to taste very good. I'd probably still eat it, but it probably wouldn't taste very good, you know? Because when the basic elements, the fundamentals aren't right, everything else kind of gets messed up. When we don't get faith right, everything else that we try to build upon the life of faith, the foundation of faith, gets messed up. So we've been talking about what really is faith, and what role does it have in our lives, and, and, and what's its importance to us. So last week we looked at the nature of faith, and today, based upon Paul's word to us, in Ephesians 6.16, I'd like to talk about the importance of faith. Because I think his addition, his comment here, of, in every situation or above all or in addition to all, highlights the importance of faith. He says, pick up the shield of faith. Why is faith so important? Now, I want to do something a little differently today than, than I usually do. And, and, and before I get into the points that I want to lay out for you, I want to tell you exactly what it is that I would like for this message to compel you to do the commitments that you would like that I would like to see you make as a response to God's truth today. One of those is that is I would if if you're here this morning you have any doubt that you have a real relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. If you have any doubt about your faith standing with God whatsoever, I'd love for you to deal with that today. When we get to the end of our service, we'll have a time of response. Sometimes it's very low-key for us, but I'll be here at the front. i certainly be bold enough to get out of your seat and come down and say, I I don't know about this faith thing. I don't know where I stand, and and I want to get it right. And I would be glad to to talk with you and to pray with you, even as we're singing our final song. There'll be others out in the lobby standing by our response table where there's a stack of Bibles. There's a place where you can go, and they'll meet with you and and talk with you about what it means to to be a person of faith and what faith is really like. I'd also like to challenge you. And I hope that what God will inspire you is that you'll make a commitment to embrace the habits that nurture a life of faith. Faith isn't just a feeling kind of thing. It's, it's something that's intentional. It is As we looked at last week in the nature of faith, it's not just, it's not just a feeling. It's a, it's a, a volitional choice. It's, a, it's an act. It's a commitment. It's an act of will that we do. And with that, we need to nurture it. And even as an intellectual experience, which it is, to believe in certain truths, it takes effort, it takes a commitment, it takes certain habits to learn what it is that truth is and how it's supposed to apply to our lives. There are many Christians today who claim to have a faith in Christ and never, ever nurture it in their own lives. Totally neglected. Often when I get to funerals, I talk to families about the nature of faith and how it is supposed to be our mechanism of crossing that great divide from this world to the next and how often people arrive there and they have no bridge to get over that gap or they get there and it's more like walking across a high wire spanning across the niagara falls they've neglected it so far it's not a resource for them to deal with the most tumultuous experiences of life nurture it make a commitment to nurture it I also challenge you to do to step up and to be bold enough to endure the risks of actually living out your faith among your friends and your family and then everyone else that you know. Now, let's take a look at this passage. And I think Paul highlights the importance of faith as he elevates it, as he said, in every situation or above all, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith. And as we pause now to spend a few moments considering what, why faith is so important, I mean, this is one of those messages that could become just like the Mississippi River in recent days, just spreads out everywhere. So I, I've I tried to reel it back in a little bit because i got nine minutes left, all right? So I, I'm trying to, and I want to talk about the things that are most important, if you will. So it's not exhaustive, but I think if you'll start with these, it'll leave you, lead you out into wonderful tributaries. It will bring rich meaning to you. But the first thing I, I want to say to you is the reason why faith is important is that it is really the only incentive that we have. It is the only thing that breeds the incentive in our lives to walk with God. Without faith, there's absolutely no desire, no incentive to live for God. I've quoted a couple of passages for you there from from John 3.36 and from Galatians 2.16. John 3.36 speaks about the fact that it is by faith that we receive eternal life. It is by our faith that God gives us this great gift. And as God gives us this great gift, it creates within us this this eagerness, this desire, this passion to give ourselves back to God. And if we've never received that gift, there is none of that desire. It's not spurred on by God. I've also quoted for you there, or listed for you there, Galatians 2, chapter 16. Just a previous book to the book of Ephesians. But he says, yet we know that no one is justified by the works of the law but by faith in Christ Jesus. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because of the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Here he's talking about the, the way how it is that, that in the work of Christ, God has finally dealt with the issue that we as the people of God... as as those who want to love God, we can never be good enough to live in relationship with God. We can't be justified by our own merits. But God has done that in Jesus Christ. It's applied to our lives by faith. And it's that adoption into the family of God that creates this wonderful, incredible desire to walk with God. Again, I I think the, the picture that Paul dealt with every single day. You know, the Roman legions, the Roman armies was filled with people who had been conquered by the Romans. Filled with people who had been conquered by the Romans. And once the Romans had come in and conquered their nations, these people became loyal to the Romans. So much so that they signed up to serve in the armies. I, I was struck when all the photos of the fallen soldiers were going scrolling across our screen. That the names and the faces reflect a, just a whole stream of ethnicity. That people have come from other places and have built their lives here, and they have adopted this place as their country, and they've adopted that allegiance, that loyalty, that they give themselves up, that they would even die for the safety and security of our own nation. You know, when, when we haven't experienced that sense of being adopted or justified, brought into right relationship with God, when we haven't experienced that through faith, we have no desire, no incentive to, to walk with God. Most of us, it would be fair to say that if we're struggling to have the desire, the urgency, the intensity of really living for God, it starts right here. That we really just don't have a biblical kind of faith. Because a biblical kind of faith creates this desire to walk with God. Part of the reason that I have such a high motivation to be faithful to the promises that I've made to my spouse to, 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 to be good to her Is because she's made the same commitment to me And I can see that And as we enter into relationship with God And we see the commitment that he's made for us That even while we were yet enemies Christ died for us And he displayed his love for us That as we see that And we respond to it It creates this desire This incentive to live for God If you're struggling to walk with God Take a look at your faith Because it's the place where you find that incentive That desire but not only is it the incentive faith is also what empowers us to live the life that God intends. I, I want to piece a couple of things together here from Galatians, and then with that, make some points to you. In Galatians three two, and, and this may seem a, a little context out of Galatians. Paul is writing to the church, and he's ticked off. He he is just mad. You know he he's invested himself in this these churches, and and. And they were growing wonderfully, they understood what it meant to be redeemed by faith. they understood the, the gift of grace and mercy and the transformation that comes by just all that stuff and, and as soon as he 's gone they 're letting other people talk them back into a works based type of relationship with god and, and so he 's angry with them that they are so quickly abandoning the truth that 's revealed by God to us in jesus Christ and he says, he says "I only want verse two he says, "I only want you to lo- I only want." to learn this from you. He said, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? And he, and he points out, and says, Well, how'd you start? How'd, how'd your spiritual journey begin? You know, we were preaching the gospel to you, but did you guys somehow got yourself to a certain level of righteousness and holiness that you became just a little bit more Righteous than Mother Teresa and Billy Graham, that you got just a little bit up that, you got above all of them, and then somehow or another, God loved you and you just kind of Austin? Or did you respond by faith to the gospel that was proclaimed to you? And when that happens, you receive the Spirit. And it's the Spirit that empowers us to live the life that God has for us. Now, that life is really rich. You know, I, the, my favorite frame is, is saying is John 10:10. 10, 10, you know, I have come that you might have life. And have it abundantly. God wants for us to have abundant life. He doesn't want our lives to be mediocre. He doesn't want our spiritual lives to be mediocre. He wants our lives to have a sense of bounce to them. That they're significant. That there's really... that You know, say, man, I, I'm glad I'm living this journey. Because I'm living it with God. And I'm doing what God's... Called. He wants us to have the sense of energy. And to be revitalized by our faith. And it's the Spirit. As Jesus said to His disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, I want to show you just a little bit how this works. Just a couple of quick illustrations. How it is, it, it's the, our faith, which it gives the environment for the spirit to operate. Uh, this may be a terrible analogy, but let me just use it for, for myself. I think of say, faith like spiritual sobriety. We all know people who struggle with the use of alcohol in their lives. And we know when they're sober, they're decent, people they're capable they're gifted they're loving they're caring but when they drink bad things happen i think faith is like being sober and it creates an environment where the spirit can bring out within us all the things that god's intended that all that goodness and all the kind and we see it in a couple of places I, I, let me just use a couple of quick illustrations one of those is in the area of prayer when you and i are living by faith and we've received the spirit we're able to exercise this gift, this responsibility to pray. The life group I'm in, we're, on Monday nights, we've been going through and studying some passages and memorizing those. And one of those was James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, where it says, and they can test me here, see if I get this right. But see, I, I use the Niels Revised Standard Version. So just the way it ever comes out is because I mix them all together as we go. You know, I get a little Holman Christian Standard and NIV, and I just mix them all together. But it says, you know, it says if any of you lacks wisdom, so let it last God who, who gives generously to all without criticizing, and it will be given to you. So, but let them ask in faith without doubting. How does it say? Let them ask in faith. <laughs> without doubting. Because he whose doubts is like the surging sea just tossed and driven by the wind. You see, when you pray without faith, it's no different than just blowing out the candles on a birthday cake and wishing for something. But when you pray in faith, you're making a request to a being who you know loves you, cares about you, is capable of giving the best to you, and will give what's right to you. Big difference. For my, one of my sons left on a Week vacation to Florida with, with family. He asked me for an advance on his first paycheck. You know, he's already worked a couple of days, right? You know, but I'll tell you, he wouldn't have gone and asked you for the money, right? But he came and asked me because he has a relationship with me. And he had some faith that I'd give it to him. It, it emptied out my wallet, but you know, you, you, know, but you, you understand the difference. Without faith, we, we can't pray that way. We're just wishing on a star if we're praying without faith. Another element is, is just a little later here in Galatians, and you know, it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. I want you to notice that it's the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit that comes into our lives by faith. That's the way we receive it. We open up ourselves to it by, as we act in faith. We create the environment. We, we create the spiritual sobriety where the Spirit can bring to life that which God has planted within us. And I want you to see that these characteristics allow us to be who it is that God's made us to be, to live the life that He's intended us to. We see the inner experience of love of joy, of peace. Great stuff. And then we're also have, able to have the out, outer demeanor as well. We're kind. We're good. We're merciful. See, as we allow the Spirit to work in our lives in the realm of faith, we're able to live the life that God wants for us. Again, just, just a kind of a cross-the-board statement. Many of us who are struggling to live Christ-like lives, it's It really is rooted in the fact that we're trying to do it ourselves rather than letting God do it through us by faith in the power of the Spirit. One last quick word. Back over to Ephesians 6. It's really what faith faith equips us to really live victoriously in the world. You know, Paul, again, as he gets to the end of his letter, he he knows that this isn't going to be easy. Jesus knew it wasn't going to be easy. He said, you know what? He says, life is going to be like a storm that just comes. The rain's going to fall, and it's going to keep falling. It's going to keep falling. The river's going to rise. It's going to swell, and then the wind's going to come up, and it's going to start pushing it, and that storm surge is going to come, and it's going to try to sweep you away. Victory comes with intentionality, and that comes by living with the Spirit. Notice here. None of the things that he mentions that are a part of the armor of God are possible without faith. Truth. This belt that they would put around them to kind of gather up all of their garments so they weren't restricted and they would hang their sword off of it. Of, being truthful, having the commitment to tell the truth, to see the long term, happens by faith. I remember a real test I went through this. Uh, you know, I was A um, number of number years ago, I had just gotten a new used car. It was a Saab 9000 CDE. It had like umpteen miles on it, but it was in good shape, and it was peppy, and 4 and got great. And I and I, and I had the car for like 8 or 10 days, and I was down in Hartford, Connecticut, and I was looking for an Hispanic church. I was supposed to be meeting with a leadership team, and I was lost. They, they This is back before GPS, so it tells you how long ago it was, right? And, and he had given me these directions, and I nothing looked like that in front of me when I, was, when I got off the exit, you know and he said, well just look for the dome of the tower so I go over this overpass and I'm looking for this gold dome he says, because we're just a block away from that and I didn't notice that the light in front of me had turned red and I wasn't going very fast, only about 10 miles an hour, just gotten off the thing. But when I looked up, I was like 10 feet from these people. And I jammed on the brakes and my car dropped and their rear bumper went right through my radiator, popped my hood shit. They had my car for two months, made me so mad. So anyways, you know, the cops show up. They say, what happened? You know what was ringing in the back of my mind? Never admit that it's your fault. Don't, don't they tell you that when you're in you Never admit that it's your fault. Say. I was distracted. I was looking for a land, landmark, and I didn't see the light change, and I hit these folks. I didn't know what it was going to mean for me. They weren't going to arrest me. I knew that. Nobody was really hurt. My car was destroyed. Their car was just a little bit hurt, you know. That was, but it, t- it takes faith at times. To, same with integrity, this righteousness, this sense of character. You know, it, we, we often are faced with the difference between what's right in the eyes of God and what's expedient. And that's the issue of character. That only happens by faith to be able to trust that we need to do what's good. This idea of the the shodding our feet with the gospel of the preparation of uh, of, of pieces. This idea that you know you and I aren't going to have any traction in the battle if we're not confident, we're firmly rooted in a relationship with God. That we really have, a, and that takes faith to know that we have a right relationship with God. Same with the the idea of the helmet of salvation under learning how to think right about who we are in relationship with God. And then exercising the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, believing that it is the truth. Without any of that stuff, you and I aren't going to be equipped for this battle. We're never going to move out of elementary things into mature things. And we're going to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. If we don't exercise faith. You see, this imagery is... This isn't like, when he talks about the shield of faith, he's he's not talking about like a Captain America type of of shield. He's talking about a big wooden shield that they would build, and they would carry it in front of them. and It would literally protect all of their body. And it was the first line of defense. And if you didn't have that first line of defense, you were toast. It was back before the days of drones and, you know, guided missiles that could be sent from hundreds of miles away, but it was still the same concept, concept. If you could take out your enemy before you engaged in hand-to-hand battle, you did it. So they would take these spears or arrows, and they would wrap them with something they called, they called tow or flax. It was like a, something they could grow, and they could twist it and make it into almost like a, a cloth, something they could make garments, garments out of. And they would wrap it around the tip of it and dip it in pitch and light it. And then they would throw it or shoot it, and they would throw it as far as they could. And, and it's coming in, and, and you've got no defense but the shield. I tell you, if, if we're not exercising and living with faith and using the shield of faith, th- there's no way we're going to be victorious. In some ways, when we don't exercise those things, we never see through the falseness of what the world tells us is important, valuable, or what really brings meaning and significance and pleasure. Faith is really important. So above all, take up the shield of faith by which you may be able to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. Will you make those commitments today to be sure of your faith, your standing with God through faith? Commit to nurturing your faith through the things that are involved in that, things like Bible study and prayer and being in relationship with other believers, talking about the Word, whether it's life group or some kind of a study group that you're in or whatever. Will you endure the risks of standing up for God in all of your relationships of life? Thankful there are folks in our national life will do that to preserve our peace. May we be the kind of Christians who do that in God's kingdom. Let's pray together. God, thanks for your word. We've moved quickly, but there is much there. God, thanks for creating such a huge incentive for us and resourcing us with great power to live the life that you've ordained for us. Life not totally free of trouble, but one that is marked by abundance. We seek to do it in faith. In Christ's name, amen.